And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And you don't know how controversial that was, that he passed through Samaria. But as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. Amen. Amen. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So I want to preach for a little while now on the theme, truly thankful. Amen. Truly thankful. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, how we ought to give you thanks. Render thanks unto you for your goodness, uh, for all the blessings that you've given to us. You just shower, you just pour them on. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for this church and for all that, uh, that you've done through this church. Uh, your faithfulness um, and the faithfulness of the people who keep it going. Uh, God, for the generosity of the people here, as we talked about in Sunday school, the hearts of compassion, Lord. And that is just all an evidence of your work in our hearts, of the grace of God that, that uh, saves poor lost sinners and then turns us around and makes us like your son. And, and we give you all the praise, the honor and the glory for it. And God, I pray that you'd help us to have truly thankful hearts this Thanksgiving. Help us to be reminded of these things. And Lord, um, help us to be that one in ten that returns to give you thanks. I know that you're so pleased with it. And I know that it helps us when we do it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So a truly thankful person recognizes the worth of a gift and the worth of a giver. Now this is real basic, it sounds basic, but let your mind meditate on it. Ponder on this for a minute. To be truly thankful, you have to recognize the worth of a gift and the worth of the giver. A truly thankful heart appreciates what someone has done for them and they are willing to say so, like this one cleansed leper, came back and was willing to say thank you to Jesus. So you have to understand there's a gift, that, that it's valuable, and, and also the value of the person who gave the gift. That's all involved in this. A thankful person must recognize a giver and a receiver. Again, it sounds really basic, but when you really think about it, it's a deep thought. You have to recognize the giver. You see, we have a lot of things and we're blessed with a lot of things in this life. And before I came to know Jesus Christ, I didn't really recognize that there was a giver. I thought that 
I was my own man, you know, and uh, everything that I had, I had because I worked for it or earned it, or I just thought these things were just around me, and, and this is just life, and I get to enjoy these things, live it up, have a good time. But I didn't recognize that there was a giver Amen. of life and of all things, even the very breath that comes out of my nostrils. The next breath that I take comes from the giver Amen. of life. And so uh, we need to recognize that there's a giver and recognize that there's a receiver. Amen? Only then can you personally acknowledge the generosity of another and the worth of the gift. In other, in other words, you have to recognize that you have received these things. Now imagine you have a gift, but you have no idea who gave it to you. Well, it, it's kind of hard to show gratitude if you don't recognize who gave it to you. Or imagine if you have things and you don't realize that you have received these things as gifts. You need both parts of this. You have to understand there's a, there's a giver and there's a receiver. And then you can really acknowledge the generosity of another person and the worth of that gift. And then it should be expressed in worship for us as Christians in real gratitude, a truly thankful heart. Did you ever wonder uh, why Thanksgiving Day means so little to so many in this country? Really? I mean, I love Thanksgiving, and I love just getting together with family. I love sitting around a meal and just having a turkey dinner. Nothing wrong with that. Enjoying that. Maybe for you, the thing that you do afterwards is you watch a game. Nothing wrong with that. Just enjoying family. Maybe it's a tradition in your family that you go do one thing or you go do another thing on Thanksgiving Day. Maybe you just eat until you are about to pop and then you feel like, I've got to take a nap. That's what I do. That's my tradition. Amen. And then this, this Thanksgiving Day, we're just going to be at home. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're just going to be at home. We're going to go get Bob Evans, sit at the house, and just enjoy it. Uh, we haven't done that yet with these kids, so we're going to do that. Just enjoy the day. Whatever it is, I, I love Thanksgiving Day. Nothing wrong with it. It doesn't have to be a, you know, a full day of worship and reading Scripture. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is, why is it that Thanksgiving Day means so little to so many people? And I think the reason is, is that they don't realize that there is a giver. And they don't realize that they are a receiver. Very basic, but I mean, it's a deep truth. You're a receiver. Everything that I have comes from God. And, you know, we all, we hate to see how Christmas and the whole Christmas chaos and the materialism of all that and the, the ads and, and the marketing and everything that has kind of taken over Thanksgiving. But did you notice that this year... Christmas kind of took over Halloween. I was glad for that. It's like we weren't even really getting started with Halloween and they're already marketing Christmas stuff to us. They're already putting Christmas into our minds and I was kind of glad for that to cover up the devil's day with, with Christmas. But we sort of bypass Thanksgiving to get to Christmas time. And you know, as Christians, we don't want to do that. We want to be truly thankful and, and be like this, this one out of ten that came to Thank the Lord. I think that in this country, there's a lot of people that don't recognize God and all that He's done to bless us in this country. And uh, they no longer acknowledge, even acknowledge God, that He's here, uh, that He's real. And they don't 
appreciate God. Because if you don't acknowledge Him, you can't appreciate Him. And as Christians, that's where we come in. We need to be that one in ten that gives God the thanks that He so richly deserves. You know, as Christians, we worship God with our praise and our thanksgiving. And we're grateful for all that He has done every day. And we praise Him just for who He is. Just for who He is. And Jesus is a great example of that. He he puts it into flesh for us. He puts it into living color so that we can see it and understand it. And this man, as Jesus was going through Samaria, this man, the one out of the ten, he recognized that on that day, and he had something to be thankful for. It's a great example of gratitude in the gospel. I have three headings for it, okay? Simple headings, the giver, the gift, and the gratitude. So first of all, the giver in verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now Jesus had set his face like a flint to go to Jerusalem. And he was going to go to a cross to lay down his life for the sins of mankind. If you look back in chapter 9 in verse 51, just real quick. Chapter 9 and verse 51. And you'll see this here. That he, right now, he's, he's blazing a trail from where he was in Galilee up to Jerusalem. He's heading south on the map, but he's going up in elevation to Jerusalem. And he's going there for the purpose of laying down his life for the lost. So in verse 51 of chapter 9, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. You see, it was time for him to be received up to the Father in heaven. And he saw ahead of him, having omniscient powers, uh, uh, understanding all things, he saw ahead of him the cross, he despised the cross, He knew that it was going to be a shameful time, that it was going to be a horrific time of when God would pour the sins of mankind onto His Son. He saw that, but the joy that was before Him was what was on the other side of the cross. To know that He had redeemed uh, a lost people and that He had done the Father's will and He could be back into glory with His Father. But He was now setting His face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before him, and they prepared the way as he went. So we see this giver blazing a trail, and he's going straight through Samaria. You may have heard this before, but uh, Jewish rabbis did not walk through Samaria. They went entirely around it. They'd they'd cross over the Jordan River on the other side and walk on that eastern uh, side of Jordan and then come back over and cross over when when they were south of Samaria because... They had a hatred for the Samaritans, and the Samaritans hated them. The Samaritans were half-breed Jews. They were not pure-blooded Jews. And the Samaritans would not go and worship in the temple. They worshipped in a mountain. And there was this, uh, there was this you know, just between them, there was this bad blood. And they, they called the Samaritans strangers, And they were unclean as far as they were concerned. And so Jesus did something really controversial. He just went right through Samaria. And he was going to make a point. 
He was going to make a point to his own people who had already begun to reject him. You understand? They began to reject him. That's why he's blazing this trail through Samaria, going to Jerusalem to lay down his life on the cross. His own people reject him. And he's going to make a point that though his own people were unthankful and would not accept him as the Son of God, a stranger would, a Samaritan would. And so this giver is moving through Samaria. It's controversial even to his disciples. And in verse 12, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. So this giver of life is about ready to bless these ten men. He sees them, they're standing afar off because these men have leprosy. Can you put yourself into the picture for a moment? Imagine one day you're living together with your family in a small village somewhere in Samaria. And your husband recognizes that he has a white spot on his skin. He says, hmm, well, I didn't notice that yesterday. And, and, he, and, he, and he gets scared and he doesn't want to tell anybody about it because he knows what it could be. It could be the most dangerous, the most fearful disease known to men at that time. Leprosy. And, and, and as he watches day after day, he starts to see more white spots appear. And then somebody else sees it. And then the word is out. And the word starts to spread. And uh, he goes to see the priest. And sure enough, the priest tells him, you have leprosy. This was a deadly disease like, like AIDS is today. Incurable. Uh, very, very contagious and so everybody wanted these lepers to just go away, to, to be somewhere separate. They had their own place to live. And so can you imagine the day when, when this man, this one out of ten, he has to say goodbye to his wife. His kids are clinging to his legs. His wife is, is crying and, and he himself is, is overwhelmed and he's scared and, and, he's, and he's looking back at his family and he has to leave his home leave his children, pry them off of his legs, and, and leave his home, leave his village. He'll never be able to come back to his home. Never be able to come back to his village. He's now an outcast. And he has this disease that is going to claim his life. Leprosy was so bad that the fingers would start to fall off. Noses, ears would start to fall off. It was just this skin-eating disease. And here's this man, together with nine other men who have seen a similar thing in their own lives. Their lives are broken. They can never go back to their homes again. And they're standing afar off. Imagine that man as he's leaving his home and walking out of the gate of his village. He has to cover his mouth and he has to cry out, Unclean! Unclean! And it's, it's really a picture of sin, folks. That's what leprosy is in the Bible. It's a deadly disease. It is very contagious, and it's destructive. It destroys lives. And it separates us from God. Just like leprosy separated a man from his family and his village, his home, sin separates us from God. And so he sees these ten men, Jesus does. He looks on them. He has, he has compassion, and he sees them standing afar off. And what did he bless them with? Well... He blessed them with a wonderful gift, a gift of healing in verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know what they did? They prayed. This is a Bible prayer. 
and they prayed to Jesus, believing that he was this, this rabbi, but the, the Messiah and the signs that he did, all of the healing and everything that he did, it was proof that he was, in fact, the Messiah. They believed in him, that he was able to heal them, and they cried out, they prayed to him, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And you know what he asked them to do in response to their prayer? In verse 14, he asked them to show him an act of faith. An act of faith. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. Now that was Old Testament law. And that was something that when you thought that you were cleansed of leprosy, you went to go see the priest and he had this ritual that he put you through to see whether or not you really were cleansed and healed. And no one, you understand, no one could heal leprosy. It was incurable, deadly, contagious, ruined your life. Incurable. So the only person that can take leprosy away was God. And in the Old Testament, if God saw fit to heal a leper, then that man went to the priest and he says, I think I've been healed. And the priest looks to find out. And if if you've gone through this ritual and the priest says you are healed, and then you've got to go back to your village, but you still can't go to your home for seven days. It's this whole long process. But you know what that did? That identified a, a, a real, genuine miracle. And Jesus was sending them to go to the priest to show the priest, to be a witness to them, that he was, in fact, the Son of God. He has power over disease. And so he sends them there. This was in answer to their prayer, but he wanted them to show him an act of faith. All they had to do to show that they believed was just to go to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, so they did. They just started walking toward the gate of the village, And you can imagine as they started to walk, this one out of ten looks down at his skin, and his skin is changing. His fingers, if they were falling off, they're formed again. He feels his ears, he feels his nose, and everything feels... And then the closer he gets to that gate, he recognizes that his skin is just as perfect as what it was when he was a young man. He realized, I have been healed. You know, and he was excited. This gift was given in response to an act of faith. It wasn't his actions, you understand. But his actions proved his faith. You know, in church services, oftentimes at the end of the service, we have a time of invitation. And we say, if God has spoken to your heart today and you recognize that you're a sinner and you're lost and undone without Christ, what we do is we invite you to come forward at this invitation time now. We invite you to come down here. Somebody will take a Bible. They'll show you how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Know that your sins are forgiven and that you can have eternal life. And when a person does that, I believe when they get up out of their seat and they take that first step to go forward, that's the hardest step, isn't it? When they take that first step to go forward, I believe what really happens is there's a belief in the heart that happens. It's the belief that saves a person, right? It's not a prayer. It's not a certain combination of words, but it's it's the belief But what they're doing is they're stepping out and they're saying, I repent of my old life. I agree with God that I'm a sinner and that I'm going to go to hell if I don't get saved. And as they're stepping out of their seat, that's an act of faith. I believe that when God sees that, I believe He blesses it. I believe He's pleased with it. 
Amen? And they step forward and they come down here and somebody helps them to see from the Bible how they can call on Jesus Christ to be saved. And just as these men called on Jesus Christ, they, they, they prayed and then they believed enough to do what He told them to do, then He gave them the gift of this healing. And you know what? Only one of them was truly thankful. Only one of them truly had a grateful heart. That's so sad, isn't it? But Jesus was going to make a point with this one man. This one man was a stranger. He was a Samaritan. And I think this was to the chagrin of those Pharisees and those scribes that were following Jesus around that Jesus said, Hey, did you see this? The only one to come and to give me thanks was a Samaritan. That was a dirty word. The stranger. This is the only one. I guess probably of the other nine, maybe they were full-blooded Jews. I don't know. But he made that point. He wanted to make sure that they saw that. So in verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. Uh, I believe in being you know, reverent and respectful in church services. I absolutely do. This is not loosey-goosey, you know, do, do as you please, you know. <laughs> but um, the, God's house, his, 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 his people gathered together. We are the house. This building, you could think of it as a sanctuary. This is our meeting place. This is the church house. It's not your house, amen? So it's different. Uh, I, I believe in all that. But I believe that it's just as reverent to sit there in a holy uh, stillness and to listen respectfully I believe that's just as reverent as it is if the Lord so moves you to every once in a while say praise the Lord hallelujah I mean if if God's really done something in your life I can't wait to get to church and tell people what God has done and to praise Him and to stand up and just you know you say well it's not my personality to do it well it doesn't have anything to do with personality are you thankful that you got healed we get healed not of leprosy we get healed of a sin sickness of the disease of sin. And every once in a while in our life, we recognize just where God has brought us from, where we could have been, and what He's done in our life when we realize how unworthy we are. And sometimes we need to come into church, and if it's of the Lord, and you want to lift up your voice, and even say it with a loud voice, nothing wrong with that. Amen? I just want to let you know that. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) I've been in church services where young guys called to preach, and they're just chomping at the bit. They can't wait to get out and, and have their shot. And, but they're in church services and they're, they're cheering like they're at a ball game or something. And uh, it wasn't always my personality, but you know what I did sometimes? I was just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of quiet. And if you haven't figured that out yet, I'm an introvert. But sometimes I would just stand up and I, you know, I just let her rip. And it was just for the Lord. Amen. Just for the Lord. Because I just want to let the Lord know I'm so thankful. So thankful that you brought me here and that you've allowed me to serve you. Gratitude. And, and how did he express this? With a loud voice. I guess he would be thankful. I mean, his life was ruined. And he glorified God through Jesus. And he fell down on his face at his feet. So he came back to Jesus. Imagine that. Now he's humble and submissive at the feet of Jesus. He's giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, which I think is the point of the whole passage. Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? 
there are not found that return to give God the glory, save this stranger. It was just this stranger that truly had a thankful heart. Do you know why this guy was so excited? We know, don't we? He was going to get his family back. Amen. He was going to get to go back to his home. Back to his job. Sometimes we don't know how much something is worth until we lose it. Have you ever been there in your life where you lost something and you recognize how much it's worth? You heard somebody say that before, but now it happened to you. Sometimes we don't really recognize how much something is worth. But we don't have to lose it in order to be truly thankful. (laughs) Don't learn things the hard way, right? Sometimes this is what it takes. It takes just getting alone with Jesus, just getting down at His feet in prayer, and just being alone with the Lord and saying, Lord, I I haven't truly been thankful and... and, um, And just going through your life, Lord, I'm thankful that you let me get up today. Thankful that I can walk on my own two feet. You know, I'm thankful that I can get outside and go do the things that I want to do. Thankful that I live in the most wealthy country on the face of this planet. I'm part of the five percenters of the population of this planet. I get to live in America. Thankful that my bills are paid, Lord. I'm thankful for that. And you start going through the list and thanking the Lord for everything. Thinking about what He's done in your life and even thanking the Lord for the things you don't understand. Thanking the Lord for the hard things, the trials, the sickness, the loss. You know, even when we grieve the loss of a person, even if somebody is is just taken from us quickly and suddenly, somebody's life is is, uh, taken from us and they were much too young. And you think... You know, I don't know how I can ever praise God again. I don't know how I can ever, because my heart just feels cold. I feel dead. And you know what? There's a secret to this. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. When you start to thank God for everything in your life, and then thank God even for the things that you don't understand, you can find something to be thankful for. You can find something to be thankful for the years that I did have with that person. I can be thankful for that. I can be thankful for that person that God created them and that they were unique and special and uh, like no other person in this world. Thankful for the love that you shared, for the time that you had. And thankful that God overall cares that He is long-suffering, He's full of mercy, and He cares for us in every detail of our life. And God did something that we didn't understand, but we can trust Him. And later on, He'll tell us why. And just say, Lord, I know that every time something happens in my life, it has a purpose. You didn't just wind this thing up and then just set it loose and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. I know that that's not the Bible uh, worldview. That, Lord, I know you had a purpose in it, and I don't understand what it is, but right now, I just want to thank you. And I want to thank you for this trial, and I want to thank you for what you're going to do with it and use it for your glory and for my good and to make me more like Jesus Christ. Just going through the list, thanking the Lord for everything. You ever, you know, I I spent two weeks, this is silly, this is silly, but I spent two weeks with a real bad toothache. You know, couldn't use the left side of my mouth to chew on anything. You just kind of recognize 
when you're living in pain like that and I couldn't sleep, the last couple of nights could hardly sleep, I was so glad when I finally got that root canal done. And, um, you know, there's countries where they don't have endodontics. Uh, they don't have that. You just go somewhere, I guess they just, you know, yank the thing out of your head or something. I, but when the pain was gone, it's thankful. Amen. Thankful that I can eat a meal. The Lord gave me two more years with my dad. I told you about that. Thankful. Thankful. I, I didn't deserve it. We don't deserve any of this. Thankful. Thankful that I can get a good night's rest. Gratitude. Being the one in ten. What would you say to the other nine if you were there that day? Think about that. Imagine you were there. Jesus is saying... Where are the nine? And you're one of his disciples standing with him. What would you want to say to those nine? You'd say, what's wrong with you? Go back and thank him. He just healed you. You have your life back. Aren't you thankful? Well, we have many, many things to be thankful for, to thank God for. Here's a few scriptural reasons. We thank God for his goodness. First Chronicles 16.34 Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. The Bible says to give thanks to the Lord because He's good. Because He's worthy of it. We thank God for answering prayer. Psalm 118, verse 21 I will praise Thee, for Thou hast heard me and art become my salvation. We thank God for each other. Romans chapter 1, verse 8, Paul says this, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. There's something to thank God for, for each other. Amen. <laughs> we thank God for His glorious name. 1 Chronicles 29, 13, Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. You say, what's in a name? A name represents a person. God's name it represents who he is. And so we thank him for his glorious name. This guy was thanking Jesus for his name. He'd go to the priest, who healed you? Jesus of Nazareth, this rabbi. I believe he is a Messiah. He's, he's praising him for his name. These are things that we thank God for. God has a name in your, in your life. Amen. So much to be thankful for. To thank God for each other. Just to go down through the list. Have you ever known a child or a full-grown adult to be selfish, to be dissatisfied, to be greedy, to be self-centered, to be thankless, thoughtless, uncaring, ungrateful? Do you know a child like that? Do you know an, an adult like that? Do you see some of those things in yourself sometimes? We go through times, life takes, takes it out of us, doesn't it? Sometimes a, a sudden loss, a heavy trial, just having too much stuff, being busy with too many things. Different things can happen in our life and cause us to go cold on God and to become unthankful. And then we notice in our life that we're starting to act selfish. We're starting to be dissatisfied with our lot in life. We start to be greedy and we're looking at things we want and we spend more time, more time uh, 
researching things that we want to buy and comparing different things to different things and looking at this deal over here and talking to this expert over there and just greedy to get more and more and more. We spend more time on that oftentimes in this country than we do on our relationship with the Lord. But do you ever see yourself becoming self-centered or impatient with other people in your life? Can I tell you this? I don't mean to be hard on anybody this morning, but the root problem there is thankfulness. Did you notice that thankfulness has something to do with all of those problems? They all have that in common. They all have to do with a lack of thankfulness. Did you ever read about Jesus being selfish or dissatisfied or greedy in the Gospels? Did you ever read about Jesus being impatient? No, you never did. You know why? Because Jesus was always, always thankful. He was always thankful. So he was never impatient with another person. He was never dissatisfied with what he had to do. He was never selfish. I want to be just like Jesus, don't you? I want to be just like Jesus. I think about, you know, as Christians, things that we ought to be thankful for. Like I said, one another. I think about like everything that my wife does. You know what would keep me from being impatient and uh, difficult to live with and um, selfish and things like that with my wife? If I was thankful for everything that she did. Hardest working people on this planet are mothers. And they just never stop. Try to tell them to stop and they won't stop. (laughs) You know, try to tell them to take a break. They can't take a break. They got so many things to do. And they got like 10 other things in line after they do that one. And I think about everything that a, that a loving wife does for me. She encourages me. I say, honey, I don't want to go to church. She said, you've got to go to church. You're the pastor. And she helps me. Honey, she, I notice you haven't been reading your Bible lately or praying as much as what you should. You know, yeah, yeah, you're right. I notice, you know, you, you know, watching some TV shows you wouldn't used to watch. And wives help men. To live for the Lord. I noticed you don't pass out tracts and witness the way that you did at one time. I'm thankful for my wife. She prays for me. And to just be thankful. You know, if you're thankful, that'll keep you from becoming dissatisfied with that person. You've got to tell your heart this. Your heart's deceitful. It, it, it's bent towards doing wrong. So you have to tell your heart. You need to be truly thankful for your wife. For your spouse. What about kids? It would be a good practice for kids, and maybe if you're ever around a kid on Thanksgiving to tell them this, think of ten things, ten things that your mom or dad does for you every day. Write them down. Think of ten things. And then I want you to go up to your mom or your dad, probably mom, and I want you to thank her for those ten things. That's a good exercise for children. Don't tell mom or dad about it. Just tell the kids. And mom will probably, you know, become lightheaded and faint and, you know, (laughs) fall over in the kitchen or something. To be truly thankful. Be thankful for your church. I can walk in here, you know, and I can find all kinds of things to complain about. Some things don't match. This has changed over here. Um, So-and-so did this or that or, you know, the choir or the, the preacher you know, he's not as excited or enthusiastic as what I think he, he ought to be. Or, 
You know, we can find a lot of things to complain about, or we could come together to worship and think about the things that we're thankful for. Amen. And it changes the way that you look at things. It changes your heart. And you know what else it does? It pleases God. Amen. A truly thankful person. Now I'm going to go back to that first statement, see if it means any more to you. A truly thankful person recognizes the worth of a gift. How valuable it is. And the worth of the giver. Not just the gift, but the worth of the giver. He appreciates what someone has done for him and is willing to say so. You see, it's not Thanksgiving if you don't say so. you got to say so. Let's go ahead and bow our heads in a word of prayer. And Brother Adam's going to come. We're going to sing a song of invitation. But... <clears throat> How long has it been since you really just had a Thanksgiving meeting just between you and the Lord, just went and fell at the feet of Jesus with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, just thinking on these things for a moment, just between you and Jesus and had a Thanksgiving meeting. Every day can be Thanksgiving. Are you, are you truly grateful for your lot in life? Are you grateful for the people around you? for your church, um, with what God has done for you, what He's allowed you to do. And, and if there's something in your life that's one of those fiery trials, um, have you wrestled with that? To get alone with the Lord and to thank Him? Now, we, we don't want to be thankful for the sin or for the sickness. Uh, those aren't good things. But God can take them and make them something good. He can use them for good. So are you thankful that God has lovingly and purposefully allowed this to come into your life and is going to use that thing for His purposes to make you more like Christ, to teach you something, and that He's going to help you through it and that you can cast your care upon Him and He'll bear your burdens, He'll bear the sorrows with you, that you're going to have an intimate fellowship with Him that others can't experience because they, they haven't walked through something like that. You're going to get to know Him in a way that others haven't. I think that we ought to pray and I think we ought to tell the Lord once again, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the cross. I think we ought to thank the Lord for His goodness, for His name, he has a name for being a creator, a name for being a redeemer. I think we ought to thank the Lord for the people in our lives, for our Christian brothers and sisters, our church where we find encouragement, for our spouses and our children, for moms and dads. I think we ought to be thankful. And I think we ought to thank the Lord for answering prayer. How long has it been since you really were serious about prayer and you were praying fervently, praying seriously and looking for answers? And then recognizing them and thanking God for them. How long has it been since you've been that serious about prayer? And how Thanksgiving ought to be a part of our prayer life and our worship. Lord, we thank you for this time. I thank you for this message, Lord. And a message for the heart. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us this Thanksgiving day to truly be thankful. And not everybody in our family is going to get it. But Lord, help us to be that one in ten. And Lord, help us... Uh, to be witnesses as well, 
as we're around our family members. Not all of them are saved. So bless us in this. And God, I pray that you'd give us grateful hearts, truly grateful hearts. And I pray for those that are hurting, those who are going through uh, deep, fiery trials, God, that you would bless them through this and that you'd minister to them in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. What's our song number? 275. 275 this morning.